Sorry, I couldn't hear you over my um, cocktail shaker. I just did the same in the, in the kitchen. Bearing. On, on a beer tonight, are we? Mate, not yet. In, uh, <laughs> in honour of the late and very great Roger Moore, uh, tonight's podcast is brought to you by the power of a martini. Very much so. My favourite cocktail. I, I like a martini. Have you gone gin or vodka? Gin. Yeah, me too. Which is wrong, really, isn't it? Because James Bond drank a, a vodka martini. Well, Roger didn't. Didn't so, he? Uh, no. Oh, okay. So, anyway, um, bottoms up. Bottoms up. Chin chin, old chap. It's quite a drink, isn't it, a martini? Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a grown-up drink, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Did you now how we are we uh, are going to descend into utter nonsense, aren't we? Even more than we usually do because uh, entirely possible. Uh, yeah, for however many fingers of vodka of gin I'm going to get through. Um, yeah, it's going to be a nightmare. How many? Um, what was your uh, ratio of gin to vermouth? Oh, it's a very dry one. So uh, I I put the bottle next to the <laughs> bottle of gin. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just I just rinse out the uh, shaker and the glass with some vermin. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I just went five to one. Yeah, now I quite like a bit of vermouth in there, but I I followed um, Roger's recipe that which is on the oh. Guardian website, um, which I've got a link for. Further Marvelous. Um, well, yeah. To Roger. Cheers, cheers, Roger. My uh, my bond of my childhood. Yeah, my bond too. It's kind of my favourite Bond because actually I'm not a big Bond fan. So, um, yeah, I think the first one I went to see was Spy Who Loved Me, which is 1977, is it? 70? Yeah. I'd have been six or seven. I went with a babysitter to see it. Moonraker was my first at the cinema. Which is ludicrous. It is. (laughs) It is. But, you know, as a whatever I was, seven or eight-year-old kid, you know, Spaceships and James Bond, it's perfect. Yeah, it's Star Wars Bond, isn't it? Mm. We should introduce the show, Robin. Yes, shall we? Shall turn. Oh, welcome to North v South, the podcast that is and isn't about design. I'm Jonathan Elliman, and on the other end of the line is Rob Turpin. Um, And it's episode 53. Uh, We've had a couple of weeks off because of just general busyness. Yeah. Um, I feel feel better for that uh, short break. Yeah, I don't know whether we're going to go. Hectic. I don't know. We, we've talked about it before of going to two weeks, but it just then you just start making excuses for not getting back to. Yeah, uh, to I think it. we continue to aim for weekly, and yeah. uh, don't beat ourselves up about it if it slips to every other week. Yeah, well, I, I don't even get time to edit them in the same night now, anyway. So mm. they sort of plop out at random times whenever I get a minute. Plop, plop, plop. They're lovingly crafted, and then t- yeah, and then grunted out. <laughs> delightful you make the editing process sound so dignified <laughs> so how's your week been or how's your two weeks been uh yeah uh i can't remember anything about last week um uh it's been yeah really really busy um my wife works on some shows and i do the graphics for it so <clears throat> been doing all the signage this week mm. for it there's a there's an awful lot of it i completely underestimated how much more there was i think they've got really yeah i think they're on f- i think they've got four halls 
or maybe five even at the NEC. So it's a big, Blimey. big show. Yeah, yeah. it's eight hundred exhibitors. So um, yeah, I've been doing all of the, the all the graphics for that. Were you doing like the show graphics? You weren't yeah. doing the individual no, exhibitors. Yeah. No. So it's like the overall branding and wayfinding graphics, was it? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I imagine there's quite a bit to that. Yeah, fair, fair old chunk. Um, so I've been trying to get that off to print today. Um, and what else have I been doing? I've been uh, just, you know, you get, I get these, especially if you do the web, and I'm sure that other people who are listening to this would 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 understand this. Is sometimes you just get stuck in uh, in other people's IT hell, um, mm. and uh, yeah, and I've been stuck in other people's IT hell. What with um, mainly email office 365 based um, which has sort of rekindled uh, my hatred of Microsoft because <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare working with websites and 365 um, just because they're so strict that uh, you can't send emails from well it's very difficult to send emails from web forms through their servers yeah so yeah so anyway I've been dealing with that and I've been dealing with another one a web move a, a person using BT which is again just don't don't go there. Uh, right. One two three Reg, which is as I said to her today, is the McDonald's of web hosting. Yeah, and Office three six five all all mixed together. Ah, that's a a maelstrom of horror. Yeah, and you kind of get it. Kind of gets assumed that you're going to fix it all. Um, uh, the the second one was for a favor for a friend, so it wasn't so bad. But the original one, um, yeah, it's not really my issue. It's an internal. IT yeah. issue, but you you get dragged into it, and it kind of just saps your time, and yeah, uh, especially when you're dealing with people who have one no interest in IT and two no knowledge of what they're talking about. Yeah, so they kind of assume that it's easy to fix when it often mm. isn't. So yeah, so that's been very frustrating. Um, uh, oh, sorry. I, by the way, while I remember, <clears throat> olive. Well, no, I haven't got. Well, I only got black, dirty, filthy, dyed olives. You know those oh, ones uh, yeah, for, yeah. for pizzas, and then they're, they're no good in a in a. It's got to be a slightly oily, uh, yeah, green olive. Could mm. you go for a black one in there? Cause I could because they're not could, actually they're not actually black, are they? No, they're dyed. But I quite like I quite like what? a dirty martini, so it probably uh, work quite well. Well, yeah, I've had some bad ones though. Uh, Roger Moore on his page says, um, that, "Shall I do it in?" Uh, Roger. Roger. Oh, yes, please. Roger Moore. Um, the worst martini I ever had was in a club in New Zealand where the barman poured juice from a bottle of olives into the vodka. That's called a dirty martini, and it is a dirty, filthy, rotten martini and should not be drunk by anybody except condemned prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> that puts me in my place, doesn't it? <laughs> That was the worst uh, Roger Moore impression ever. But, you know, I gave it a go. the best one we've had on North v Ex- South. Exactly. <sighs> Sorry, I interrupted you telling me about uh, wars. Oh, oh, no, no. Anyway, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's that. Um, and uh, I had a day off yesterday because of childcare issues, but ended up having a, a really fantastic time. Um, went to the zoo. Marvellous. Yeah. Uh, we've got a zoo near us called Marwell. Um, right. I, I'd never been there before, and it's brilliant. Really, really good. If you've got kids and you live in the south, definitely go because it's uh, it's fantastic. the The animals have got loads of room, and uh, it's not too um, I don't know high tech. It's it's in a country park, so it's you know it's right. really nice. You can take a picnic. There's loads of play areas. It's it's fantastic. 
Do they have big animals there? Yeah, they've got some. They've got um, rhinos and uh, or hippopotamuses, as my daughter called them. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, giraffes and um, what else? They've got some tigers. Oh, cool. Uh, no lions, though. I didn't see any lions. Um, yeah, they've just got an odd mix. They they've got lion lo- down. Hey, they've got lots of meerkats, which are ace. Yep. You know, I've never seen a meerkat, and in, in, I don't think I've been to a zoo since I was fifteen or something. Okay, I do love a zoo. Yeah, and it's been um, you know the countryside around there, and from here, where absolutely where stunning. Where is Marwell Zoo? It's ju- it's just near Winchester, south of Winchester. Oh, okay, that close. Yeah, yeah, it's only half an hour drive across. You could literally cut across the South Downs. It's absolutely beautiful. And uh, just tell us briefly about the penguin. Uh, they, they had a penguin there. They've got a penguin there called Ralph, um, which uh, Kitty thought was hilarious because our dog's called Ralph. Um, and he wears a wetsuit because he's got a weird molting disease. So he just, uh, he, uh, you know, hangs out in his in his wetsuit. And you can buy him from the gift shop with a wetsuit In his on. wetsuit. Yeah. That's so cute. Uh, he wasn't wearing his wetsuit and he looked very ill, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was pretty sad. Uh, Poor little bugger. Yeah. What have you well, been doing? Delightful. Uh, working in Shoreditch again. Um, store graphics and guidelines for Puma. Um, so reasonably repetitive. Um, had a nice meeting uh, nearly two weeks ago now with a little agency about some illustrations for a packaging project. Um which could be interesting. Yeah. I had a big, big old wedding down uh, in Hampshire, not too far from you, um, near Farnham, which was very hard work. Uh, yeah, that's about it, really. Um, not too much drawing over the last uh, couple of weeks. Got a couple of commissions out and sent off. A um, couple more to, to start. I am enjoying this martini. Yeah, have you got an have you got an olive in yours? I haven't. No olives. I uh, the closest I had was Branston pickle, and I didn't think that'd work. I've I have got something in mind. Have you? Yeah. Right. A, 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 a cherry. Oh, maraschino. Yeah. Nice. It should really be in a sweet one, shouldn't it? But yeah. You know, what the heck? Why not? I'm meeting one now. <laughs> I'm quite jealous. I like a cherry. Oh, that's so good. Right. What uh, what news have we got this week? Well, um, got quite a lot of stuff. I'm going to first one that I haven't put in there is um, Things Three was released, and um, we are on a private kind of chat thing. And people would I was lamenting how expensive it was, but basically Things Three is a list app, um, and if you use uh, Get Things Done or any kind of methodology for doing stuff, then it's a uh, you know it's Things Two. I think came out about five years ago. And uh, has been used by uh, a lot of designers to organize their life because most of our tasks, as we've said before, they're just, you know, a reporter notebook does a great job. Yeah. But um, it's good to have things squared away. Um, And so I commented on the price of it, which for all three apps, because it's not a universal app, so it doesn't work across, you know, tablet, phone and, and web and uh, on on your desktop, um, you have to buy all all three individually. So it comes out about eighty quid, 
or $80, sorry. Which is uh, a lot for a to-do app. It is a lot for something that makes list. But oh. I thought, you know, I might as well, you know, try it out and put my money where my mouth is. So I bought the, I've bought the um, phone version and I've got a, for like a two week trial on the desktop so I can work, you know, see how the okay. syncing works. Yeah. Their, their, their cloud solution of syncing works pretty well. Um, uh, I think it's a great app. I really, really like it. Okay. <laughs> so, and I'm starting to think, yeah, it, it possibly is worth that because it's a list app, but it allows you to organize the lists in all sorts of ways, a bit like Basecamp, um, but it is far cheaper than Basecamp. To mm. run, um, and for one man bands like me, I don't need all the messaging nonsense that goes in in those apps. Yep. I just need a list. So um, you can break down lists into so you can add a task, but you can break that down into um, almost like segmented progress bars. Um, okay. Yeah, and you can then group things together either under projects or you can group them under using tags. So you can tag something with work or um, you know invoicing or whatever um uh, and it's a it's a it's a beautifully designed app really really good so um i am enjoying it and yes i am i'm eating my own hat words delete where applicable so well, apologies apologies to matt who uh, came down on me heavy <laughs> he did didn't he I, i'd already uh, uh had a go at it for the price but yeah so you weren't the first but yeah i mean it, if it works for you um then i imagine it'll it'll be worth it it's just got that attitude of uh of, of kind of you know startup tech companies with the language that it uses that i'm I, i've railed at before mm. um and the website is just doesn't do itself any favors you know it tries to make itself out to be some kind of life-saving um you know application and it, it yeah. does it does just make lists and i think uh definitely it's part of the malaise of design at the moment that we try to overcomplicate things and try to analyze absolutely everything that we do and explain it away rather than just putting it out there and just, you know, this is a list app. Yeah. <laughs> See how you get on. I don't know. It's to do with sales and stuff. And I'm sure people will come back and say, you know, yeah, but it's, they've got to uh, generate interest and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I just, I just find it really, really tedious to read. There should this be copy. some, there should be some scope for uh more down to earth writing, shouldn't there? Yeah, I language. Think so. I think so. <clears throat> um, uh, my first bit of news is Jeremy Della, um, who we talked about was it earlier this year or last year? year? Last year, when he he did the was it We Are Here World War One Memorial? Yeah, the, the live just uh, amazing. Dr- uh, Actors in uniform, well, everyday people in uniform marking the, the anniversary of World War One. Um, but he's been uh, busy again. He's been uh, in conjunction with a project called uh, Flying Leaps, which put uh, artists' work up and around cities to create uh, conversation. He's uh, he's contributed a poster which just says "Strong and stable, my ass." Um, obviously, his little dig at Theresa May, um, and it generated such uh, a lot of interest on Twitter with people photographing it and retweeting it and sticking it on Instagram, and I loved it. Um, and I thought it's kind of a nice, kind of quirky little comment on. Uh, the politics of the of the government and the way they uh, 
have reduced the the campaigning down into that soundbite that Teresa seems incapable of um, saying anything else. But it's a nice poster. I don't know what the typeface is, but it just looks great, I think. So well done, Jeremy Duller and Flying Leaps. I saw, um, we've talked about drones before. I've mm. droned on about them. Uh, <laughs> there's a new one from DJI who I think make the best. Um, and it's called Spark. And it is half the price of a, you know, a pretty decent uh, drone that can be controlled by gestures. 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 It's great, isn't it? And it's so little. It's really dinky. It's 500. It's like palm, palm sized. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can you can like make little photographic sort of uh, like a pinching gesture at it and it will take a photograph of you in your group, uh, which is just amazing. Uh, you can just see these things shrinking down to almost like uh, Lyra in. Um, uh, oh, God, what's it called? The books by um, Philip Pullman. His Dark Materials. Yeah. Um, you know, having a having a little sort of avatar floating yeah. along with you. Um, it's great. <clears throat> this one just sounds great. You put it on your hand, turn it on, it recognises you, and then you can kind of make a gesture and it'll fly up 10 feet away and take a picture of you. And then if you carry on walking, it f- tracks you. You can wave at it and it'll come back. Just brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And, and the product design's really nice. It's kind of angular and, uh, you know, it's not really... Um, amorphous and and um you know globular like their professional models are which i'm guessing yeah. is because that makes them tougher and they don't yeah, break yeah. as much but yeah so uh, yeah go and check it out it's at uh www.dji.com forward slash spark yeah it's cool um yeah very nice bit kit quite like to have a play i haven't, I haven't uh, had to go on a drone at all but i'd really like to um next bit of news the Tokyo Olympic Games in 2020, we've talked about them before, um, about their logo, which is kind of like a checkered effect, which we quite liked. Um, but that was on the back of them scrapping their original logo because the designer was deemed to have plagiarized it from, a, I think, a Swiss theatre or a, a Belgian a Belgian theatre. Um, and also they'd had their their issues with the Olympic Stadium was designed by Zaha Hadid and was going to cost £1.6 billion. So they scrapped that and they've got another one. So they've they've had a few issues with design. Um, unperturbed, they're opening up the design of the mascots for the Tokyo Games and the Paralympic, Paralympic Games to a public competition. Um, a good luck to them. <laughs> public design competitions rarely go well um or maybe that's just over in here you know Bozzy McBoatface um but uh, yeah it just they don't seem to have learned any um lessons really because the the logo that replaced the plagiarised one was picked by um the public as well so um yeah, they're, they're approaching the whole design aspect of their games in a sort of slightly haphazard manner. I think I think it, it, it says, to me, it says fear rather than, um, you know, a democratic process. Mm. Uh, you know, sort of the, the, it's almost like analysis paralysis, isn't it? 
Yeah. Am I allowed to say that? Do I have to leave this show forever now? No, no, no. That was good. I liked it. Um, so, uh, you know, in, in terms of not being able to make a decision about who's going to lead your design, you just have to let every, let everybody in the whole world. It's like Blackadder, isn't it? It's like there are three there's, ways there's you no can one. cure yourself. One, kill her. No. <laughs> Two, kill yourself. No, I don't think so. Three, kill everybody else in the whole world. <laughs> yeah. There's no one to blame, is there? The uh, martinis kicked uh, in. <laughs> uh, you know, if you open it up to the public, there's no one to blame for the monstrosity that comes out of it. But you, you, we saw at the London Olympics. What were those awful mascots? Wenlock and Mandeville. Oh, well done. Yeah, that was a disaster, wasn't it? But that was yes. actually done by design, was it? It was. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Kickstarter. <laughs> well, we barely ever mention it. Um, I shouldn't really. I should get rid of this, shouldn't I? Um, but there's another. I, I was I was interested in your thoughts about these revivals of graphic standards coming out. Um, I can give you my thoughts because only this week I was thinking, geez, do we really need another graphics manual reissue? Yeah, uh, there's an I, IB, There's a, a French um, group of are, are trying to re-release the IBM graphic standards. The problem with the problem with this one. Uh, and this is purely a matter of taste, is that it's really not interesting. It's really corporate, really cold, and there's no real interesting applications of the branding of the parts that I've seen. I mean, it looks, you know, it's an old 1970s folder, you know, what's not to like about it. But Mm. do we need it? Um, I don't think so. No, I just publish it as a PDF. Yeah, I yeah, I, d- I don't know if we need all of these remade things. I think where they, you know, they've they've got an actual um a real hook to it, like the one with the bolted design that you Yes, the, the bolted book. Um that actually has a physical um uh, uh attributes, you know, benefits yeah, to yeah. it. Then then great, but I think this one it doesn't seem like it, I don't know if it's going to get if it's going to hit its target. It's not Oh, well. I think I oh, know it's doing all right actually. Is it? Yeah, um, it's it. 20,000 euros of 28,000 and it's still got 36 days to go. Ah, so. right. mm. um, it's just one of those things. All the designers will buy it and they'll have a leaf through it and they'll put it on a shelf and never look at it again. Yeah. Because what, yeah, because you can download a million really great um, you know, brand guidelines to get the kind yeah. of essence of what brand guidelines do. Absolutely, uh, and I just don't think IBM's. Like, I mean, it's a it's a beautiful, it's a great logo. It's a beautiful and I, logo, I know, yeah. I know it's got a name behind it, but I, you know, the stuff, the the actual brand guidelines are there, yeah, meh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the next one has has absolutely flown off the shelf. It's called Gather, and I, I actually quite like the look of this. It's sort of like a imagine a wooden desk tidy with ah uh, yes, I did slotted see porcelain. Um, or they're ceramic kind of uh, little dishes on there, but they can slide around. You can rearrange them mm. again. Uh, you can um, uh, you can accuse the designers of going a little bit overboard on the uh, on the panacea cure all kind of yes. thing of a desk tidy. But I must say, it is a really really handsome bit of kit. It is. It's it's very lovely. Yeah, it was wanted eighteen thousand dollars, and it's got two hundred nine thousand dollars, and there's fifty yeah. days to go, so it's going to absolutely well, smash it. They they're better get busy, yeah, busy boys and girls, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, so congratulations to them. They're they're, they're actually Ugmunk um, is a was a t-shirt. Is he a t-shirt designer? No idea. Uh, yeah, he was a just a uh, just a you know run of the mill graphic designer. Started making his own t-shirts and it just went crazy. 
So yeah, um, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, it's quite expensive, isn't it? How it's much like is a, it? Well, if you don't get the early bird uh, prices, it's like hundred and oh, shut up, hundred and sixty dollars. <laughs> You're less keen on it now, aren't you? Well, if it's a limited edition kind of thing, then great. But no, it's not worth it, is it? No. Um, no. Uh, something else that isn't worth it is the poster for Sp- uh, the new Spider-Man film, um, which uh, in the same way that logo designs often get absolutely cut pieces on social media, this poster has been absolutely torn apart on Twitter. Is it is um, it ironic? No, I think it's just bad. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen this, it's the new poster for Sony's uh, film, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, which is the, the first Spider-Man film that's made by Sony but involves the... Marvel Cinematic Universe people. So it's got Iron Man in in it, and um, it kind of references that whole thing. Um, and the poster is uh, a photoshopped monstrosity, really. It gets uh, half the characters are in it twice, uh, all in their uniforms and out of their uniforms. Um, there's kind of sparks and flames. Um, it looks like a Michael Bay film you know it could be michael bear directs spider-man um and it's all for the lighting across all the different kind of headshots that are photoshopped into this is different in every in every case oh god have designers been analyzing this because the first uh, time i've seen it have they been like yeah it just oh, looks, yeah, yeah. It well, looks no, terrible actually, they, they haven't analyzed it they've just gone this is mm. absolutely awful I, I think the worst thing is that is the type you know the the typography the spider-man it's just horrific and homecoming makes it sound like it's one of those pet movies where you know jambo jambo got lost in our station wagon and he made his way across 50 states to come home yeah exactly oh it's terrible Um, so it's kind of weird but yeah it's just been absolutely slated and there's been a an outpouring of tweets uh featuring featuring really good movie posters yeah Um, which i think is a subject we should definitely uh feature as as one of our topics yep we are going to talk about that aren't we yeah um and we can talk about why that's terrible in comparison to some of the really great film posters that have been done in the past um i mean it looks to be honest it looks like a poster that was designed for like a pitch to get distribution rights or something because it's got everyone in it that's being paid to be in it so oh, it looks like, it looks like one of, if I, I was given a, a Friday afternoon to do it and uh, and I'd just been given a folder full of the photos and the mm. characters, that's probably what I'd exactly. come up with in about four hours. And, yeah. I mean, I do feel a bit sorry for whoever has created this because they were probably under very strict instructions as to, you know, it has to feature all of these people and they've probably got to be this size in comparison to each other. And um, But, yeah, it's very a very corporate looking uh, poster awful uh, have you got more news I can keep going go on let's have one more each okay um, this leads us into a hot topic it's um, a uh, a site called superhigh.com and they do 
online training and also training. I think they're based in New York and they do, oh, they, okay. do they do training courses. Um, they're offering a five day email course called Learn to Code. And cool. it's kind of uh, you sign up, put your email address in, and then every every day over five days it sends you emails with kind of uh, sound bites on you know decision making on what kind of areas you'd like to get involved in and where you'd want to go next. So it's it's more of a sort of sales tool for them, um, but I think it could be really useful for people who are thinking of, especially you know traditional print based designers thinking about you know learning code. Um, yeah, uh, it's something I'm really interested in promoting uh i always have happy but never actually done anything about it oh, have you just swallowed a cherry no i just got <laughs> horrific indigestion i haven't used the best quality gin i have to say <clears throat> um yeah so uh yeah um and the site looks great uh so and i think i think it's sort of yeah we, we, we'll be talking about this in a bit but um i think it's the future of education uh in terms of web education anyway mm, really interesting um, and that's from someone who knows nothing about coding. Uh, my last uh, bit of news is, uh, ooh, which one do I pick? Got two good ones. I'm going to go for an article I saw about holdout buildings. So it's not news. Uh, so holdout buildings are those little buildings where the owner refuses to sell up to developers. Uh, so they kind of get sandwiched between big developments so oh, right, skyscrapers yeah. on either side or you know they they look at kind of out of place but always they have so much more character than everything that grows up around them mm. batteries not uh, included really what the film i don't i don't think i've seen it oh mate <laughs> <laughs> it's so good is is that does that feature a holdout building yeah and oh, okay. uh, and up as well yes exactly up very much. Um, so this is a great little article um, on a, a blog called ephemeralnewyork.wordpress.com. Uh, and it's got loads of examples of these little holdout buildings. And they're, they're, some of them are kind of completely adorable and quirky. But the one that really grabbed me was um, a holdout building on 34th Street and Broadway in New York. Um and it occupies a little corner of the Macy's shopping um, building. So Macy's were were planning on building a store, a new store in 1906, I think this was. And one of their rivals bought a small plot on the plot of land that Macy's were going to build the store on. And they wanted to swap one of Macy's other properties for the for the to for this little plot, and it, the the deal never happened. So Macy's didn't agree to it, and Macy's just built their store around this little five story building. So the Macy's store is, I don't know, it's like ten stories or something, uh, and a little corner of it is kind of cut out, and it's got this other little building there that kind of lives entirely on its own. And Macy's subsequently. Um, bought the rights to cover it in advertising hoardings. So you kind of look and it says, this is Macy's and the world's largest store. And that was right from the kind of 1920s, I think that was the case. Um, but behind it, there's this this little shop that has nothing to do with Macy's. And I just think it's brilliant. Are there photos of it showing as just the building? Uh, yes. If you look on that link, 
um, yeah. and scroll right down to the bottom. Oh, yeah. There's a picture. How weird. Yeah. It's great. It's never been owned by the store and is the most famous holdout in New York. <laughs> and, it, and, and, and it still holds out now, or have they got yeah. it? St- no. So how do they uh, get permission to put the things They obviously on pay them to... Ah. to to put the hoardings on. Brilliant. Yeah, great. Um, so our discussion this week is uh, about education, particularly design education. Uh, and it's um, that uh, conundrum about which is better, design education or to be a self-taught designer. So which is it, John? <clears throat> well, we've had... We've had- this conversation before haven't we um we've talked around about, it. about education and i was trying desperately to find a, uh, a sort of an in um and i think going by the last few weeks of what we've spoken about is from our own experience um yes uh, of making what we can out of um out of education i mean i'm completely self-taught um and so are you to a large extent uh so uh yeah. You, but you've got the experience of having gone to um, college. But I have done tertiary education, so I've got, you know, I think I, I can talk about it with a little bit of knowledge. Um, I think uh, I'm totally on the side of self-taught um, for okay. the kind of work that I do, because I don't necessarily um, believe that um, my main thing is I don't believe that students who go to college at the age of 19 are ready for tertiary education. I certainly was not emotionally ready for it. I and I know believe. that's a massive, uh, um, a massive generalization, but I think the majority of kids who do go to university to do that, to do a degree straight after school, whether it's a year or whether it's straight after school are just not ready um, and, mm. and have no training whatsoever for the um, the kind of hands-off approach that um, tertiary education, uh, especially um, at big universities, have for their um, for their pupils or their students. Because you go from this kind of very regimented O level GCSE A level kind of regimen. Um, where you learn by rote and you do things modularly and you you know you build up um, and you take big exams and then you go to a uh, college or university and suddenly you're just expected to have the timetable to turn up and you don't have to you don't have to and so I think if you're a little bit immature like I was I didn't Damn turn me. up um, yep. and therefore you you know you're missing out on everything that you can possibly gain from university so I would say if you are a young, that's going to be bad, bad advice, but if you're a young designer in many ways, um, I think nowadays is, is it, I think you'd really have to think hard about what kind of education you wanted, whether you wanted vocational education. But. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you. Um, even though from my point of view, I agree with everything you've said. Um, I certainly wasn't ready for university and I was completely unprepared for the way in which you're taught at college and university, which is, you know, more hands off, 
so little structured, tutored time. Um, particularly when it, it wasn't so much when I was at York doing a H&D in graphics, um, but things started to change in the second and the second year uh, when I left. Um, and when I went away to do a degree, it was very much, you know, you had you know a few hours a week out of you know however you know, 30 or 40 hours that you're expected to be in class. You know, you only had a few hours a week with a tutor and I was completely unprepared for that. Um, and like you say, if you didn't need to be there, I wasn't there. Um, but I don't agree where you say that if you're going to be, if you're a young designer, go out and get a job because I don't think you, you could, um, unless what you want to do, unless you're, you know, one of those kind of rarefied people who is just a, a, a prodigy and who is kind of at the age of 19 or 20 has a style and a, a, a massive ability and technical skills. Or you're aiming for uh, quite a particular niche in the design industry where you can, you've managed to develop a set of skills that you can then use without necessarily a massive experience. Um, but I think if you want to be a designer, there just aren't the opportunities at 19 or 20 to get jobs. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. I got completely distracted and, uh, and, and went off on one. <laughs> but what I was, I, I know exactly, I know what you whereas, mean. Yeah, I was racing you, ahead. You're, was, you're if, kind of, the, there's more benefit to, to being out there and working in design than there is uh, in that kind of um, education environment, unless you are a very driven disciplined 18 19 20 year old um but i also think that the thing about self-taught and i think this again applies to a lot of technical skills is that art college or some kind of art education not only tells you if you're good at something it tells you if you're rubbish at it and i think the ability to self-teach and to learn things outside of an education environment leads to a lot of people thinking they're a designer where they're not they've they've got some technical skills but they have no design i no no flair for it um i think we saw that in desktop publishing you know 15 20 years ago and with the web where people could learn how to code in their bedrooms and suddenly everyone's a web designer actually you're not you know how to code but you can't design a bag of sweets um and i think that's a danger of just diving into something without an art education yeah yeah i totally agree with what you say <laughs> i rescind my previous statement but um yeah it's it's really hard isn't it because i'm talking from a personal experience um i think that if you have no idea what you want to do um but you're artistic then yes college is it would be a good idea because especially foundation course would sort out um, yeah. the decisions, you know, the decision process of where you go. But even then you fall through the gaps. So I was reading, you know, well, why don't you talk about what, what happened to you? Well, that's, that's it. You know, at college, I was you know, at school. I was the kid who drew and I was probably the best at drawing in my school. I went away to college and I was still one of the best people at drawing on my college course and all kind of throughout college. I was one of the best people at drawing. Um, and at no point, even on a foundation course where you study illustration, fine art, 
fashion design, graphic design. At no point did anyone say to me, do you know, Rob, you're kind of good at this drawing thing. What have you thought about being an illustrator or studying illustration? No one said that to me. And my um, kind of view of my own talents was I would judge myself on all the people I was kind of obsessed with, comic artists and and real, you know, kind of classic illustrators. And I just think, oh, I'm never going to be that good. So it never even occurred to me that I would ever be good enough to be an illustrator. And it would have been amazing if someone had taken me to one side and just said, you know, you should consider this because I would have, if someone had given me that nudge. Um, yes, that's my one big regret really from my design education. Do do you blame your teachers for that? Do you think that's the quality of the education? Um, or do you think that um, because you weren't hundred percent engaged in what you were doing, you missed the kind of filter or I think it's tricky because I was good at graphic design as well. And not everyone on course was, you know, not everyone had a, an eye for it. So maybe, maybe if I'd have been terrible at that side of things, but great at drawing, it would have been an easier thing for them to say, if you considered doing this. And I, you know, I guess I, I was really interested in design and typography. So maybe they, they, you know, they didn't think anything of it. Um, but you think, well, surely that is one of the key things about being on a foundation course is it should be exploring what you would be good at. And I didn't really feel like that was the case. I felt like there were, you know, there's some of the modules we were just kind of going through the motions on. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've employed uh, a fair mix of people who were educated and weren't educated in design um, and found them all mixed, to be honest. Mm. Um, the really, really good designers who went to, uh, the really, really good designers all went to, um, to college. Uh, all learnt a, a formal way of design. Uh, you know, you say you say the, the best designers were the ones that had had an art education. That's not necessarily because of the art education, is it? You know, the better designers are much more likely to think, I'll go to art college, whereas people who come to it another way maybe never thought about going to art college. Um, so they could be the best designers despite their education rather than because of it. Um, and the other things about an art education, which may well have changed since I studied or may well just be very, very different from course to course, is is the non-creative things that they do or don't teach you that are to do with being a designer. So in my courses, so I studied at York and Cumbria College of Art. Um, did a HND and a foundation and then a degree only actually finished the foundation. Um, but there was no, uh, education in there about how you get the best out of a brief or how you interpret a brief. It was, here's a brief, go away, think about it, do the project. Um, there was nothing about how to present even though we did have to present our work every week or two weeks or whatever at the end of every project, you know, there was never any discussion about what are the best, you know, any methods. You I mean, I think that is a kind of a really key point about the design industry. Um, 
about how to how to get across your work, how to sell it. Um, and there's absolutely there was absolutely nothing about the business of design. There was nothing about uh, buying print. Or there was nothing about how you should cost a project. So there's those kind of aspects of it were just entirely lacking. Um, so if I'd have decided, you know, if, if I'd have come out of my design education and, and wanted to set up my own business or, you know, work as a freelance designer, you know, I'd have been entirely unprepared um, and all at sea. Yeah, I think um, I think that's probably a distraction, isn't it? The My, my comment um, that I've noted down is, um, you know, kids, kids who learn to code um, can code at, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Um, and designers who are talented artists can sell straight into their market without having to go through any kind of formal design uh, career at all. You know, they don't have yeah. to go to a studio or they don't have to join an ad agency or, or any of that. Um, and so is that distracting to the education sector? Because those kind of talented kids that rise to the top very, very quickly are always going to be snapped up. They are. I wonder if that's because at heart all design education, even if it's not overt, is is geared to trying to produce superstar designers. That's the aim. I mean, that's probably the aim of every student, isn't it? You know, they want to be – when I was at, at college, I, you know, I – I sort of said, well, I want to. I don't want to be mentioned in the same breath as Neville Brody. I want Neville Brody to be mentioned in the same breath as me. You know, that's how cocky I was before I started college. Um, but I wonder if there's a there's a failing across the design education that that kind of fails to prepare students for being a good, honest, working designer. So they don't think to give them those skills that they are going to need. You know, they try and they try and aim everyone in the direction of superstardom. Yeah, I mean, if we look back at last week with um, Paula Cher and her talking about all of her interns, all you know, every single one came from her teaching um, yeah. class. And if you're aspiring to that kind of greatness, then that kind of shifts the education bias, doesn't it? Mm. That everybody can expect to go and work for Pentagram, which is, you know, it's great to aim high, but yeah. you know, not every writer is going to come out and be Ernest Hemingway. You know, people who go to journalist, journalism school don't come out expecting that they're going to be the next big writer they're just trained to deal with writing in a in an everyday way and perhaps that's where design schools miss a trick um yeah i'm only talking about this from experience of seeing people coming out of colleges with absolutely no capability whatsoever of working in a in a working studio um not without some training or um or without you know a lot of hand holding um and that possibly uh, explains why we've seen the rise of so many private postgraduate universities appearing, yeah. you know, like mushrooms all over the place. Because, you know, there's obviously a gap that people are not being fulfilled in the training that they need to work in the real world, in the digital world. And especially if you go into digital, um, then, you know, 
the it moves so quickly that yep. um the a tertiary education system that is probably planned two or three years maybe even more in, in you know in advance is never going to keep up with technology yeah. so therefore you need to be working in the real world and and these kids are going to be building stuff anyway so um you know uh, uh, you know in their bedrooms or whatever um so it's impossible to and i guess they're not all designers but um kids who are designing like that won't need that formal way of education so what can be done you know there must be there there has to be a bridge between the real trendsetters and also you know normal working studios and education sector but you're right education sector does go for the big studios don't they yeah yeah i mean we were never approached by any university ever um about looking after any interns um, yeah, yeah. we we did it a couple of times on our own um and it was good but um they were so they had such high expectations um, of where they were going to land once they'd graduated, that it was very hard to, you know, give them a load of press ads and get on with it because they just didn't do it. Yeah, um, I, I think the other one of the other things that my design education didn't prepare me for was the pace, the pace of working out in the the industry. You know, you'd have uh, here's the brief. It's probably a bit wishy washy. Um, You've got four weeks um, to present something, whereas you know in the industry it's here's the brief, couple of meetings. Uh, can we have some thoughts by Friday? You know, present something on Monday. Um, that's a, that's a good one, isn't it? That's that's like course, yeah, yeah. Normally it's uh, when can we get it? Uh, yeah. What do you mean? What's a brief? Uh, well, yes, <laughs> yeah. How much? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think that's just another example of of how my art education did not prepare me for the design industry at all. Which is probably why I ended up managing bars for nearly ten years after I'd uh, left college. Well, I was going to ask that. You know, why why do you think it was? Do you think it, you weren't mature enough to to go on to doing what you wanted to do, or do you just think you never decided what it was that you wanted to do? I mean, that's that's mine. You know, that's I I think. I didn't have any confidence in my ability when I left college. Um, and so, I, so but it just but didn't you, occur to me. But you went into college thinking that you were the yeah, next big absolutely. thing. Absolutely. So what? Yeah. What? What do you think beat beat the shit out of you to be? Rude? I think it was like we said. I, I wasn't prepared at that age for for how to get the best out of art college. You know, for all the things I've said that I I didn't appreciate about art college, if I'd have been driven and disciplined. I would have just got out of it what I could for myself and focused on kind of what I thought would make me a better designer. But I didn't because I was 19, 20, 21 years old and uh, I'd rather be lazy at that age and go out boozing. Um, there's a, I'm going to quote from uh, somebody who wrote an article on their blog uh, called Sarah McIntyre. And do you know what, where I got this from? Because I haven't written unfortunately no. where i got it from but um she's a 
comic book uh, artist um, okay. and she did degree in design and all sorts of bits and bobs. And her quote is, um, it's a bit of a sweeping statement, but with a few exceptions, I wouldn't really recommend anyone to go to art college before they're 30. Study something else first, get work experience, and that way you'll avoid being part of the young groups who are desperately worried about maintaining their artist image, wearing cool clothes, getting drunk, trying to learn how a washing machine works, etc. Um, it kind of sums up the path that you and I took um, in the fact that I was totally distracted at, you know, yep. at, at college. Um, and she, it's a great, it's a great article. I put, I'll put the notes in the show notes um, when they get published uh, in 2018. Yep. And, um, <clears throat> but she talks about outside training. Um, you know, you have to go out and find the training that will get you up to the level that you want to be at. Mm. Um that you've got to be able to write properly. You've got to be able to present properly. Um, but these are all things that you'll never learn in college because you'll never be pushed to go and do them. They're only something that can come with experience, aren't they? Yeah, I agree completely. Um, the other one... So I don't know the if other, we've got a... Oh, go on. Just the last one was sometimes going to college can give you that... Um, and uh, I hope Alid won't mind me saying this because he told me this before, but... Um, Going to university for him the second time gave him the room to grow as an artist um, because it gave him that um, foot on the ball time where he could say, you know what, I can't do that because I've got coursework or I've got to go to, you know, I've got to do this regular thing. Um, yeah. And it gave him time to grow. And it's a very expensive way to uh, to get to get you some time. But sometimes I think you need that to um, just to get some space in life. I, I mean, yeah. the perfect example of that, and it's not an education thing, but um, me building Elipress in kind of spare time is I don't have any spare time. So all my spare time fills up with something else and yeah. uh, and it's incredibly hard to get any um to get any uh, traction and they do say that you should treat yourself as a as a client but um as a one-man band that's just impossible it's just not what doesn't work does it no and I, and I think that can be applied definitely to education that if you do need that space in your life then then setting aside time in an educational <laughs> institution then that's going to really help you if you are driven and you know what you're going to do if you're just going to faff around, then there's absolutely no point. Yeah, I'd love to go back now with, you know, my attitude now to it. You know, I would, I'd try and wring it dry for everything <laughs> I could get out of it. Yeah, I'd still be going to see bands and drinking. Well, yeah, there would be that as well. <laughs> uh, so, in conclusion, is it a draw <laughs> between design education and? Uh, being self-taught yeah <laughs> I, <laughs> I think, think it, it is i think i think, I think it's i really like that idea of of not going at 17 18 19 um but what you would do after a levels um before you go to college i think that's a really interesting kind of span of time that you know perhaps needs some structure to yeah and i don't think that giving advice here you know people who are going to be listening to this who are possibly at student age if there are any then they're going to be driven and organized and uh will be smashing it in not if they're listening to this podcast no god knows but do you know what i mean it's uh they're they're you know it's the the people in most studio you know 90 percent of people in studios um we've said it before haven't we i just aren't that interested in you know or that fascinated by design 
Um, yeah. They are doing it as a job. And is, co- is college turning out that or is that just people turning their own hands to it? I think that's something for the future, but um, it's impossible for me to say because I, I don't have a design education. Yeah. So I'm washing my hands of the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we can safely say that um, that education definitely has a place if you know what you want. You'll, yes. get, you'll get the best out of it. Absolutely. So, website of the week, Rob. Website of the week. Uh, it's a it's a medieval city map generator. Yeah, of course. Everyone needs one. They do, don't they? Uh, so, it's uh, the website is what about? Uh, oh no, it's not actually, is it? It's whatabout.itch.io. Put that on the show notes as well. <laughs> or you could just Google medieval city map generator, uh, and it's a. Uh, uh, an application that generates a random medieval city layout of a requested size. Generate, generation method is rather arbitrary. The goal to produce a nice looking map. And I love it. You just click on small town, large town, small city, large city. You can hover over all the different areas and it tells you kind of, you know, this is a slum. This is where the merchants live. This is a market space. Uh, and they are aesthetically lovely looking little things i think it's fab yeah it's brilliant it's just nice to kind of keep clicking and i'd like to pick that apart and see how that's generated. yeah it's good isn't it yeah mine is um labor.org.uk again political where Uh we're we're heading into a uh, an election in this country um and i just wanted to say how much i enjoyed reading labor's manifesto online i think they've done a really really good job of it looks it. great doesn't it yeah it's not um highfalutin design it's just really good informational well well laid out um easy to understand and digest and uh i was really you know i'm not yeah i was really surprised by the manifesto it really uh filled me with a bit of hope yes absolutely me um, too. but that's just my my pol- political bent but uh, i have to say yeah the website's great so i'm going to make that my website of the week good stuff uh, pies. Yeah. <clears throat> what have you got, John? <laughs> My wife's hilarious. Um, I've got a Linda McCartney vegetarian country pie. What? I know it's frozen. Um, this is Still? my. Pro- uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, why? <laughs> right. I don't know all of her product range. I have to say that the product design is quite nice. It's sort of um, uh, the packaging is kind of Mark Suspensery. Mm. I always thought she was sort of low end of vegetarian frozen food if there is one um but she um why is all her stuff sausages or meat related why do vegetarians want to eat meat stuff that looks like meat? yeah it's like linda mccartney vegetarian food for the reluctant vegetarian because <laughs> this is full of um textured vegetable protein or whatever it is tvp yeah. um and a beef like sauce obviously no beef in it why why if you're a vegetarian do you want to be eating beef yeah so i've gone in um pastry on top short crust um whoa oh it tastes it's not that bad it's like a football pie um it tastes overwhelmingly of dried herbs yeah which i'm guessing are masking the textured soya protein or whatever you call it (laughs) yeah which is just incredibly salty, but it's not the worst pie I've had. I have to say that. But well, no, what, you have had some terrible pies. Yeah, but I'm also pretty harsh. Mm. Um, so Linda, 
if you're listening to me out there. Um, yeah, why, why, why the meat related vegetable products? Yeah, or any vegetarians, please, please. Yeah, well, I don't think we're going to hear from Linda. So, um, <clears throat> uh, so does it get a score? Hang on, <laughs> you're just checking four. Four. Oh, dear. Uh, I've got a pie that I'm pretty sure I've had before. It tastes like from... a spice rack from 1978. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I've got a steak and ale pie. I'm not sure I've had a steak and ale pie. From Robson's Butchers, which is my local butchers. And they always do good pies. It's short crust pastry, quite big chunks of quite tender steak, and a thick, thick gravy-like sauce. Quite reddish in colour. Um, it's just really good pastry on the bottom has gone quite soggy which I like pastry on top nice and crisp and just nicely seasoned it's got quite a nice rounded flavour to it and does just taste of beef and beer which is pretty spot on really yeah, so that's that gets, that's it's going to get an 8 it's a good old pie that wow that's a good one I'll have to pick one up next yeah. time out I, I long since finished the uh, the martini, sadly. How did it go down? Pretty good, actually. You're feeling a bit wobbly. It's only quite a small one. Hmm. You? Well, I'm only little, aren't I? I'm like I'm like a dwarf, so <laughs> it just open up a bottle of vodka and I fall over. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it, even though my the gin was rank. Um, what gin were you? Um... Oh, it was just a Tesco, uh, no oh. Sainsbury's Greenalls, is it called? Okay. It's not a good, not a good gin. Even well, with just tonic with, uh, well, I was just done with Gordon's. Yeah, so like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Gordon's. Yeah. Um, so, the end. Mm. <laughs> uh, what are you up to this weekend, Rob? Uh, we've got two weddings this weekend. Oh. So I'm off work. I've been off work today and I'm off work tomorrow. Um, sorting some wedding stuff with Steph. Local wedding on Saturday. London wedding on Sunday back into London at midnight to pick things up uh, and then bank holiday Monday off which is mm. nice well yeah what about you um see my sister on Sunday but um no nothing working in the garden okay nice yeah yeah okay well thank you for listening John really good to talk to you again you too I do I do love all catch-ups yeah they're great I really missed it last week yeah uh, and uh, we're, we're hoping to bump into each other soon, aren't we? For uh, a beer and a, a lunch at some point, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Well, you have a good weekend. You too. And I will talk to you soon. All right, toodle pet. Good night. We're no good for making coffee in this life.